Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Josh Brown, I hear that you finally managed to get your hands on an Xbox Series X. Yes, finally. <laughs> Scott Tilford, yes! I don't even want to tell you how many days I have wasted, how many hours <laughs> of my life I have wasted on stock informal websites, on yep. Twitter updates, trying to find one of these bad boys. I was trying I to find you on at one point. I was just like, for you the were. love of God, it can't be that hard, but it is. I, I had my friends on it. I had my family on it. My dad doesn't even know what an <laughs> Xbox Series X is, yet he was searching for it. It was, a, it was an ordeal, much mm-hmm. harder than it should be. And eventually, all I had to do was be on the ball for every day for a month and then buy a bundle I didn't want to get the thing I did want. So, <laughs> oh my God, the t-shirt go. that you got. That, that, is it, how, how is it in the flesh, in the, in the, in the cotton? Because the, uh, it didn't look good. I resent that I have seen it in the flesh and it is still in its packaging and may just go straight to the charity shops because yeah. uh, it's a scam. It's a scam, right? Selling those bundles is taking advantage of people who really want a new console to yeah. explain uh, in order to get the um, Xbox Series X, I needed to buy it as part of a bundle because there were a bunch of different bundles on sale. And be set of headphones for you there? Yep, essentially, I just had to get lucky um, picking one at random. A lot of them were out of stock, and I was just picking a bunch until one of them came in stock. The one that did come in stock was the Xbox Series X by itself with this tin pot headset that I'm never <laughs> going to use and this terrible T-shirt that oh, I'm never going to wear. But, you know, it inflated the price. I hope they enjoyed it. And ultimately, I do have an Xbox now, so, yeah. so I'm not complaining too much. It wasn't well, the thing is, I mean, I... Overpriced. I used to work in GameStation, and uh, which isn't—I mean, GameStation aren't going anymore. And we can't say where your bundles from to avoid calling them out directly. But if uh, they're they're a well-known chain, um, but when I worked in uh, GameStation and the Wii, that was I was I lived through. I worked the uh, the Wii rush of like 2009, uh, mm-hmm. or when like the first few years when that system was on sale, where it was out of stock all the time. Um, and then when we got like four or five in, it was always the manager's idea to go like, well, what can, what else can we bundle with this? Let's put Carnival Games with it, and then we can charge <laughs> an extra forty pound for it or whatever. And uh, it is always just the case. And you could tell that when you had your um, the version you were going to get in the uh, checkout where it's like, this is insane. I don't I don't need this. And That's, just if anyone's yeah. wondering what your T-shirt is, it's a black shirt that just says player one. Just a little, little <laughs> player one on the front. 
That's which all I it am, is. to be fair. I which am you are, one. Yeah. It's, it's accurate. I will wear it when I play whatever <laughs> games I'm going to play in it. But yeah, it's like, the funny thing is, it's I don't mind the concept of bundles. You know, do what mm. you got to do. Some of them are quite useful. You know, I was trying to get the one with the extra controller because, hey, that would have been useful. Or the one bundled <laughs> in with, you know, Game Pass. It just happened to be the one that went through was yeah. the one bundled with stuff I neither wanted nor needed, which is kind of like... <laughs> I'm very happy I well, got it on the one hand, but on the other hand, it came with, it could have been any other bundle and I would have been happier. True. I mean, that, that t-shirt, like you said, can go at the charity shop, that pair of headphones, nice Christmas present for someone that you don't like. I don't want them before you give me them, but that's like, that's where they can potentially go. Um, me and you were going to do a video on <clears throat> the reality of trying to get a system at this point in, in 2021. Um, Cause you were, you had a few things that you wanted to get off your chest a few weeks ago, but how do you, how do you feel now that you finally got one? Has a lot of that rage dissipated or do you think there's a worthwhile, is there anything to say about the reality of getting a Series X at this point in 2021? I think so. Both the Series X and the PS5 obviously are incredibly difficult to get your hands on. And a Mm. lot of that is understandable. You know, there's a chip shortage. There's been a pandemic. It's really difficult to get these things out. And I totally sympathize with that side of it. I think that is obviously fully understandable. And if that was like the only issue, I don't think it's necessarily an an issue. It is frustrating, but it's Mm. not kind of you know, it's it's to be expected. However, mm-hmm. I do take issue with the way that these things are rolled out because like I said, in order to get one, you have to be like, you have to be really on the ball. You have to be like clued in to these trackers. You have to dedicate <laughs> a bunch of your time to know when stock is going to drop because it's just so unceremonious. You know, stock mm-hmm. can drop on random websites at random times. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And even if you do, you know, sign up to, um, you know, mailing lists that will inform you when stock goes in. It's, there's not a guarantee that would work. You know, there was one kind of retailer that I signed up for to be emailed when stock came in mm. and stock came in. And I didn't get an email and I was kind of like, well, what's the point of this? Well, they just, the they go... You can't... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say super quickly, like they, they go live on the websites as they email you. So by the time yeah. you've read the email, it's gone again. Yeah, totally. And it's the fact that you can't, often you can't like pre-order them for any, anywhere. I think, you know, a lot of the frustration would have been alleviated if you could, you know, literally just put down a deposit or something and you pre-order something. And then when it comes in stock, you might not get it straight away. You might not get it for a few months, but you you know, you've got one when a wave comes in and you finally you know, it finally becomes your turn. Like, mm. I think that is a much better system than this kind of like Wild West scenario that we've got <laughs> where retailers just throw them off the, uh, you know, like the bots will come in and swipe them and then resellers will make, you know, so much money off it because I, like, we're, we're clued in. We're, yeah. We do this as a We'd job. We'd like to think so. We like, well, we like to think so. We're probably not as clued in as we think we are, but we do this as a job, you know? Uh-huh. We follow games. We we like to have the new consoles and it's difficult for us to get these machines. So I can't imagine that, you know, some some poor kid who's relying on his parents to get this for Christmas or a PlayStation 5 for Christmas. Oh, God. And it's just a lot of hassle. It's a lot of work. And in its in it's understandable why there's a shortage, but it's not as understandable to me anyway, why there's such miscommunication and why is there so much frustration about the rollout of them and how they're sold. That's where I have an issue with it. You know, like I keep mm-hmm. reiterating, not so much the the problem in and of itself. No, man, I think it's totally fair. I mean, the thing for me is like, like you said, there should be some sort of queuing system. That's what Shop 2 were doing. And that's how I managed to get my PlayStation 5 because it was just like, you're in this big queue from a, from initially from a pre-order standpoint. And I guess we'll slowly fulfill them across like the next few months kind of thing. But I mean, even there, I think have abandoned that overall. You can't enter into a queue now. It is just snap stuff up when it appears. And the only way I was able to get a Series X was just sheer luck. Like I was online at half past two, three o'clock in the morning as I'm wont to do. And I just happened to uh, check curries and they were in stock. There was five of them. So I just mm-hmm. saw 
which was oh buy that just get it and I just just get that get it get it sent I'm not even looking at the price I'll just have it and uh, and that was how I managed to get mine but unless like God help Lord any deity help the amount of grandmas trying to get this for Christmas like there's no yeah. way that uh, my own grandma or anyone like that would be able to figure out this whole messy system and I kind of I wonder whether or not uh, Sony and Microsoft are holding back some stock because they know there's going to be this massive Christmas rush and that's why everything's being like drip fed at the minute but um it's I mean there was just, there was a thing not to make the whole podcast about this because we do have other stuff to talk about but okay. you when you were checking stock the other week there was someone that you went on maybe it was like Argos or something that had been given one like one yes. unit and it was just like yeah. what even is that like what yeah. who how did that it happen was... where you know <laughs> a major retailer has one well this is the thing you know like I said I've been following a lot of these uh, trackers I think I was it was the independence one that I was okay. um, mostly following which updated live and would say if something was in stock and stuff and yeah there was a I can't know which retailer it was but it was like oh there's suddenly some in stock mm. and then a few minutes later there was another update with them saying they only got one in <laughs> and it's gone <laughs> so, and it's gone brilliant and it's like that's useless information to me yeah. I mean, obviously not from the person who's writing it but I mean as like a consumer it's like why would you give me just one and have all this fight <laughs> over it you look at some of the product pages and it's like like 15,000 people viewed this in the last 24 hours. So when you've got 15,000 people vying for like yeah. a handful of consoles, it, like I said, it's just, it feels like the wild west. It just feels I like hate as well game. when uh, on Google, it's like, oh, yeah, Series X back in stock and you follow the link and it's to eBay. And it's just, well, that's, <laughs> it's not really in stock, is it? It's not really stock. Like that's just sort yeah. of someone has one somewhere that they're now charging 1,500 pound for it. But oh. um yeah, you're welcome to the ranks anyway of having a PS5 and a Series X. We're a, we're a rare breed at this point in Thank time, you. but hopefully those things will ease up across 2022 or towards the end of this year. Um, two things I want to dive into um, as a collective thing is just one thing is just what we're playing. Um, and the other thing, um, no, that is, what we're, that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what we're playing. Because the other thing yeah. is a big old controversial thing, which I'm going to throw at you because something you've been playing is a bit of the old Halo 3, which you've not been liking <laughs> at all, Josh Brown. Listen, right, okay, so when I got my Xbox Series X, obviously I went straight to Game Pass and downloaded a bunch of games. I actually, you know, I assumed when I got it, this would be an entire podcast about the Xbox Series X, but unfortunately, yes. I haven't played as much as I wanted to because I was a bit wobbly on the Saturday when it came, wasn't really feeling up to playing or watching anything, which kind of went through to the Sunday, mm. but then by the time I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna, I'm feeling all right, I'm feeling good, I'm going to play some games. Your baby's I in your arms. Boot, yeah, I booted up the Xbox Series X and accidentally forgot to press the button that downloads things while it's in standby mode, <laughs> so nothing was downloaded. All We've I had been was... There the Master Chief Collection ready to play and the medium, which uh, I'm not going to jump in properly yet. Right. Um, so I went into the Master Chief Collection, booted it up for old time's sake, jumped into <laughs> a game of Halo 3 multiplayer. And then threw your guts up. And to be honest, didn't like it. No, I did throw my guts up a little bit. It. I know, I couldn't believe it either. I thought I was going to have a lovely trip down nostalgia lane. Yeah. But when I, when I played the solitary game of it that I did play, it was just... It was not how I remembered it in my mind's eye, Scott Tilton. Well, see, that, that's kind of what I want to, I want to, I want to pick apart a little bit because I was saying to you before we started recording, <clears throat> excuse me, as I die, that I, I've been playing Halo constantly since when did it come out? Two thousand one. Like I've always had like something installed, um, either a different Halo game, always had them there, and then like obviously with the Master Chief Collection, that's just stayed, that stayed on my Xbox One, stayed on my Xbox One X, and now it's on my Series X, and I just have it. It's just always there. It's omnipresent. It's just something that I just won't delete, even though it is one hundred and twenty gig or whatever size it is. Um, and so for me, like I never had that because you didn't play you hadn't played halo since like 2010 ish i think so it's been quite a while halo i've played obviously you know four and five mm. since but i've not gone back to halo three specifically the originals yet. yeah yeah, like yeah. 2010 you know a long time ago 
So like, so my whole thing is that like those old ones, like, yeah, they obviously they are different. They are like aged in regards to how fast something like a Call of Duty or Titanfall is. Um, but for me, like there's always such a specific feel to Halo that I think, I don't know, I, I love it. Like I love how different it is. I love that it's not just hold the left trigger, then the right trigger as fast as you can, which I know I'm being like regressive, but I always think that that's, that's for me, that's what Call of Duty boils down to. And sometimes I'm in the mood for that, but sometimes I like how, and I refer to it as combat chess, which I know it gets referred to, that's how Doom gets referred to. But um, for me, Halo always has all these different options, whether it's the tools that you get that they brought in in Halo 3, the vehicles, the different like um, weapon, like loadouts and stuff, the ways you can get the aerial, like, you know, you can approach like, a combat situation from a bunch of different angles. And so for me, that's the thing that keeps it fresh. And even when I go back to it, it retroactively makes it fresh because nothing, to me, nothing has even come close to that. Um, right. Weirdly, something that came close, I guess, is like Splitgate, because um, that's like literally Portal meets Halo. And I like the idea of flanking people by firing a portal past them and then disappearing to the wall to my side and then coming up behind them and then hitting the headshot. That's really cool. But yeah. um yeah, so for me, like that's that's what makes Halo sort of like constantly fresh. And it is slow. I know Halo Infinite they've sped it up and stuff, but what was this the, the thing that hit you, I guess, when you went back to it? I think it was just the, the slowness of it and how cumbersome it felt, I suppose. Mm. You know, I always knew that Halo was, you know, like you said, much much slower, much more methodical in a lot of ways yeah. compared to your likes of Call of Duty, which were very, you know, twitchy, very fast, very die respawn and come back mm. into the fight. Here, you obviously, you know, like you said, you know, you have a lot of options at your disposal. It takes a long time to actually kill someone. I was totally prepared for how <laughs> the game functions and how it's structured what i wasn't prepared for was just how far we've kind of like come since halo right, 3 right. When i was jumping in and there were a lot of things like you know you take for granted now that aren't really there for instance a sprint button for instance quicker movement more agility with your spartan and i i just completely forgot kind of like that it because I, I was so used to you know even halo reach even halo 4 even halo 5 the advancements that were made in the tweaks to the gameplay like going back to the originals mm. i was just sort of shocked about just kind of like yeah like like the slowness of it the the clunkiness of it in a way and i just wasn't having much fun <laughs> i just kind of realized i've as a multiplayer gamer have it's not for you beyond the classic halo team deathmatch style mm. and want something a little bit a little bit more with my game oh, i'll tell you what i'm i'm very curious because i think because you've got you've got the master chief collection have you only got halo 3 as part of that i forget if you can segment the downloads or not but have you got everything it's, sitting there i should i should have now it was ready right. to play quote unquote um, okay before and i think i had two three and four installed or at least that's what it was let me throw up on the right because on one of the things that i love the most about the mcc is that you can do those multi-game playlists and they multi like you can do, like, they do them across the campaign but you can also do it online and stuff and um it's weird because if you just take all the boxes like you know throw any level at me from the first four uh plus reach uh even odst then um you'll just get thrown into halo one followed by halo three two one whatever and it was when i went back to halo one like after a little while that i was like oh man we've come a long way but i meant in regards to halo one to three so like right. i don't know what the hell you're gonna feel <laughs> going into halo one because that thing is really old school well, it's funny, man, because I'm going to go through it all, obviously. But mm. I, when, it, when it came to Halo, I was always there for the campaigns. Like, mm. I was, you know, we were talking before we started recording this, and I didn't, everyone kind of doesn't believe me when I say this in the comments. They just insane. kind of like, they go in on it, but I didn't have like broadband until like mm. 2008. So I didn't have online gaming at my house until mm. very, very late, until post College of Duty 4. Mm. So I kind of missed the boat when it came to Halo. I played a lot of it locally, I played a lot of it locally with friends. But for me, the appeal of it, 
um, was mostly the campaigns. So even though I played a lot of Halo 3 online after the fact, uh, by then I'd already moved on to Call of Duty 4 anyway. Like that was the next big thing. That was the thing I was into. Uh So I never grew up with them in an online capacity in the same way. And even though I have a lot of nostalgia for them, I don't view them as the kind of, you know, defining um, relics that a lot of gamers like you do who were there oh yeah you know, rare is the stuff. minute that i'm not saying that to be honest exactly I, I, yeah, yeah totally. they're definitely way up so there. it's yeah so it's a case of i'm looking forward to it and i don't mind how it plays in the actual campaigns i'm mm-hmm. totally fine with that but when it comes to the multiplayer portion of things i've just i've i've come to expect a certain level of elegance that i don't <laughs> think is quite there anymore and that's totally fine because these games are like 15 years old at this point yeah yeah, that's well. That's the thing. I mean, the the stuff that I think would make you bounce off, like you said, the sort of the cumbersome, the clunkiness of it, the very deliberate nature of the animations, the fact that it is ostensibly still a, a very PC shooter, um, you know, put on consoles, um, they are absolutely the things that make me love it. I love how physics based it is, and um, that you can sort of just throw like a plasma grenade to the side of a warthog and it'll spin and go out of control and wipe out someone else along the way. Like you just you can't yeah. do that in other games. I know the battlefield is steering more into that this year with twenty forty two, but there's a feeling to again I would put it under the combat chess umbrella of just oh i bet if i attach this to this then this will do this and it's you start thinking of combat scenarios in a way that um so many other shooters got so far away from um and i remember seeing like looking at halo infinite and one of the new abilities is that you can from a the wrist mounted like launcher that you have you can fire uh, like a map recon thing um and you can if you do that you hit the button you throw the recon thing and if you throw a grenade immediately immediately after um you can attack those both together so they both go as far as the recon thing and i'm just like that's so cool that's like like a really halo based way to play and i'm like that's really really cool so i kind of hope that um i guess the more you play maybe i don't know i guess i don't know whether you'd have to fundamentally regress at this point to enjoy that stuff if you are so like because you play so much warzone and it's like at some point they're so different totally i mean yeah i mean warzone is kind well not just warzone but like call of duty modern warfare you know like the the recent one the 2019 Mm. one like that it plays so smoothly and that's a jump up even from older cod games that it's kind of like ruined first-person shooters from even, like, <laughs> three years ago. Like, they yeah. seemed kind of not as tight in comparison, even though you could argue that they're better overall games. The actual shoot mechanics just feel so buttery smooth. But, yeah, like, going back <clears> to <throat> Halo, I think that's why I enjoyed the the big team battles more than I did the kind of, like, tighter um, death matches okay, yeah. because oh, yeah, I totally. liked all that stuff that you mentioned, you know, the interplay of vehicles, being able to throw um, a plasma grenade onto, like, the side of a wall. Jack in a mid-air banshee thing and kicking some guy yes. out of it. Yeah, That was absolutely sick, so I really enjoyed all that stuff, and I did get a taste in the map I was playing. I can't remember which one it was. I can't remember its name, but it's the one where it's, like, a big bridge, and you've got, like, the two um, jump pads on either side, and you're kind of, like, jumping. Oh, God. Yeah, I know exactly which one you mean. I think it begins with yes. F, but I forget what you right. call it. I think everyone will. It's like an iconic Halo yes. map. Um, but I got a taste of that when I did throw a grenade onto one of those pads, as you used to do. And yep. It goes up and it kills one on either side. And you're like, that is awesome. But in between those moments of genius, it didn't have the connected <laughs> tissue to keep me wanting to play more. But obviously, I will try it. And well, that's the thing. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Bad taste. That is a really interesting thing because I think that's why they've sped up like the base movement for Halo Infinite. Like Halo Infinite moves like a Titanfall, moves like a Call of Duty in terms of base speed now, which is like that assumedly would then stitch together those moments even more. And like some of the stuff they've shown off in the beta um, or alpha or whatever state it's in seems to be like that, where it's like, oh, we're going to try and make it so you're experiencing those weird little bits where the game saves you up some physics-based experiment over and over again uh, faster. And I look forward to that stuff. Um, something that I've been playing, unless you have any more thoughts on Halo, is the mighty... Uh, I was going to say Call of Duty. That's because I wrote down KOTOR, <laughs> and then my brain went to K. It's not that at all. It's Knights of the Old Republic from 2003, um, which I, just, I don't know what made me go back to this. I, was, I think I was writing about Jedi Fallen Order um, for a list or something, and I was like, oh, I remember in... Remember in Night of the Old Republic when you uh, made a lightsaber? And in my head, because it's been, how long has it been? 17 years? A like oh, 18 years? Like in my head, which is a long time. Um, I was like, oh my God, you like craft it and you pick your saber, you pick the crystal and you like carve it and you put the craft it and you make the saber and the hilt and all. You don't do any of that, Josh Brown. You do, you, <laughs> you do, you do get, you get to pick your crystal color, but there's only three. There's a uh, blue, green and yellow. And uh, and that's it. You can get a red one afterwards if you go if you go back to the crystal yeah. cave. You can get that. But um, even when you like finally meet up with one of the Jedi's and you're like, oh, I'm gonna uh, follow the teachings and everything, and um, he's just like, cool, go make your saber, and you just go to the workbench 
and click lightsaber and then you just have a lightsaber. It's just, that's, that's it. In my head, there was a whole process of doing that. And you actually go to the crystal caves after that. I thought you had to go and get the crystal, bring it back, forge it, blah, blah. And so I've been living on KOTOR for about 10 hours in Knights of the Old Republic, um, which is only making me love old school Bioware more. Like I absolutely had a renaissance for the, the first Mass Effect as well. Um, and I know you probably haven't played KOTOR since 2003 or something. A long time ago. A long yeah, time. Fully. Totally. Yeah. But there's something about the way that Bioware used to do stuff. I think I think I said this to Jules on UBP, but like the whole way that they don't tell you exactly where to go, they just say you need to find out about X or you need to like you know like like locate something, and then you go and you can just ask anybody that question and have all these really cool conversations and find out all this world building stuff, and it yeah. slowly takes you to where you're supposed to go, but not in a way that I always hate in games, which is where I have no idea where I don't know where I'm supposed to go, and I'm just trying to guess <laughs> what they want me to do, and so it's kind of just like and to underscore the whole thing is just like nice. The Old Republic is still brilliant today. Um, and I know we said before we were recording that um, one of the things that I love the most is the opening, um, which you were saying <laughs> at the time was like a really like disliked thing back then. Yeah, man, a lot of people don't like the opening at all. Like before you become <laughs> a Jedi, when you're just uh-huh. kind of like messing around on the space port and stuff, like to a lot of people, they would rather that be skippable or not be there at all. I mm. think it has a purpose. And I do think a lot of people concede that it has a purpose, but I feel like a lot of the sentiment is just... I want to be a Jedi, get me the lightsaber, yeah. get me into the action a bit longer because that quote-unquote prologue, it's more of an introduction, more of a first act. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of hours to get through if you're coming out oh, yeah, and yeah. doing all the missions and stuff. It's a hefty chunk of time. And especially if you're going into it not expecting that, I think it could be quite a, a shock to the system to realize that you're going to have to build up to this moment where you do become a Jedi. However, you've been loving it. In a, in a, obviously, it serves such an important um, well, function to your character's growth that I think yeah. it is you know, worth it. But you seem like you've got loads out of it. Like, you couldn't stop playing that opening scene. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I put about six hours into that opening bit, just wandering around Taras, talking to all the different, like, alien races, even just talking just talking to people in a Star Wars universe. And it's yeah. not... The thing is, as well, it, it definitely goes hand-in-hand hand with where Star Wars is at as a brand right now. Because for me, you know, you flash back to 2003, that was, what, that was before? That was, that was in the middle of the prequels. That was in between episode yes. two and three, I think. Yes. Um, and even if it wasn't, Star Wars as a brand was still pretty sky-high. Like, yes, there were some negative reactions to the prequels but you had an entire generation of people going like this is brilliant love Darth Maul give me double lightsabers it's all great and so I feel like back then it was just and plus on the game side there were tons of Star Wars games and um, that were doing their rounds as well and it was just like okay let me be a, a Jedi in an RPG <clears throat> and I feel like that was a big deal but now because we're post Rise of Skywalker we're post something like Solo um, these sort of like you know, different degrees of misfires whatever you want to say the brand is nowhere near as solid as it used to be and I think that that go-to thing of like what do you want from Star Wars? Okay, it's a Jedi. It was like applied to the 2000s in a way that it doesn't now, where I feel like a lot of the blockbuster bluster is like overspent. <laughs> and now it's just kind of like, oh, actually, it would be really cool is if you just looked over there and focused on this random person doing something and what's their life like? Because we've seen all this like big over the top stuff. And so yeah. for me, like that was the thing with the opening of Kota, where you're just, you're a nobody, you're an absolute nobody, and you just get to hang around in Taras, playing Pazak, the card game with all these different people in the bar, going to a Sith house party, which I didn't even know was in there, and um, where I was talking <laughs> to this woman, I had a big complaint about her that she was like, how dare she drink around the people whose planet she's trying to um, destroy. And then she was like, oh, do, do, I'm sorry, oh, we've got this general having a big Sith house party if you want to come along. I was like, I'll go to a Sith house party, even though I've just said you were absolute scum. And then there's a great, <laughs> there's a great smash cut 
where um, it just cuts from her going like, oh, you should try this booze. It just cuts so they all just passed out on the floor, having drank too much, and you steal her armor and you're on your way. And so all of that stuff is something that I think young me didn't appreciate at all or even know was in there. Whereas yeah. like now I'm like, and especially where RPGs are at, I'm like, oh, this is a way of like carving out my own story that I absolutely took for granted back then um, in a way that made me completely reappreciate it. I don't know if there's anything that you've gone back to, I guess Mass Effect, um, that made you kind of think about how RPGs used to be versus how they are now. Well, yeah, I think, you know, we we look at Bioware now and they've made some decent to pretty good games in like the past decade or so, you know, Dragon Age yeah. Inquisition, a lot of people really like. Andromeda's, yeah. okay, you know, it's fine, I would say it's, it's all right. Yeah, it's been seven years since they've had anything but, other than a fire. Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. and, and then even before then, though, like you said, if you go back to the early 2000s, if you look at KOTOR, if you look at the first mm -hmm. Mass Effect, like that's even a completely different studio to Mass Effect 2 Bioware to Dragon Age 2 Bioware you know what mm -hmm. I mean like they did a lot of shifting a lot of evolving during that time period if you go back to those early RPGs they are just so full of personality and they're so full of character and they're so full of choice and agency and like you said mm -hmm. you can craft your own stories you can have these worlds to explore and I think if you put KOTOR into context like you were there you know back then we all wanted to be a Jedi of course we were Jedi in other games whether mm -hmm. it was um jedi um what's it called uh jedi power battles 10 out of 10 five star game loved it say that but power battles is really good. good what's the kyle katan games called i've literally just playing them uh dark jedi forces and stuff that, was... well, yeah yeah the, that series yeah, 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 yeah that series where you could be a jedi but Kotal jedi gave you that something um jf Kotal will give you that something extra where you were a jedi now in a world and you could explore mm. that world and you could be Jedi, be a Jedi in more ways than just flinging around a lightsaber, even though there was obviously <laughs> that. You could learn about the Force, you could talk to, you know, whoever, and you could forge a proper journey. And to Star Wars fans back in the day, to a young Star Wars fan like me, yeah. that was that was the dream come true. And I think that's why we've embellished certain things like the lightsaber construction, which is just going <laughs> to pick a crystal and it kind of just does it itself. In our minds, we had constructed this kind of vision of it that we really were the Jedi. We really were constructing it with our blood, sweat, and tears, and we were putting that stuff together. Obviously, you go back to it now, and we've had so many Star Wars games since. We've had so much Star Wars media since that. Mm. Um, you kind of realize how much we were using BioWare's framework to um, fill in the blanks with of using our imagination you know yeah man well i think i think all that stuff was it just it's a testament to how good the writing is and how, how a, a really good sense of place they give you because you do i mean you still have to do uh, answer some questions about the jedi code and things like that before you become a jedi then they give you the robes and then you can go off and, and explore dantooine and stuff like that but um yeah there is that it just it, it, it there was such i've got such a difference of the original memory i had of kotor which i would have only been like <clears throat> 14 or something at the time um versus the like, the reality of playing it now when i'm like 32 and i'm just kind of like okay there's way more going on here there's way more class commentary even in the way that taris is structured there's just way more to that um, and it always reminds me of um something that uh, jenova chen uh, just to throw this in something that jenova chen said who's the dude that um you know put together journey and sky children of the light and flower um just saying that you know anything that is created with a mature sensibility will age with you and i love going back to stuff and realizing like oh man like yeah, I get way more out of this. It's why people used to talk about like Pixar, um, you know, appealing to children and adults because there's enough in there at the core of it that works for multiple ages. And that's yeah. just been really cool. Um, speaking of working for multiple ages, don't already a segue, but a way to talk about Forbidden Forgotten City. Forbidden <laughs> You've City. You've already forgotten it. You've Fulu already City. I don't it. know which one it is, Josh Brown. I want everyone to know that this um, title actually lives up to its name because I've told Scott I've been playing this about three times. Is it the Forgotten City? <laughs> in each time. 
you asked me if it's oh. the Lovecraft one, aka yep. the Sinking City, which I did admittedly play a few months ago. No, the Forgotten City is a new next-gen game. I think it's only on PlayStation at the moment. But let me pitch it to you. Let me explain to you and whoever's listening why it's cool, what it's about, why you should play this game. So essentially, you are this person who wakes up on a riverbed and you suddenly get transported back thousands of years ago to this forgotten Roman city okay so you arrive there you talk to the people who are in charge and they say this is a secret place and we live under the golden rule we have been imposed this golden rule by the gods which means that if any one of us commits a sin we will all turn into gold statues we will all die and be turned into gold so your job is to go around explore talk to people and figure out initially who is going to break the golden rule and how you can stop them from doing that before everyone dies. But the twist <laughs> is it's also a time loop game. So every time oh. someone commits a sin or every time you die, or every time something goes wrong, you start right back at the beginning and you have this one day to figure out what's happening, what's going on. It's very exploration heavy. There's a little bit of combat and, but it's mostly you can kind of like talking to people kind of like deducing what's happening mm. and trying to get to the bottom of this mystery. And I love it, Scott Tilford. <laughs> I think it's absolutely incredible. And it's so full of twists. It's so full of secrets. It just keeps on unwrapping the more you go on. Like okay. I haven't even touched any of the juiciest parts because I don't want to spoil it for anyone going in. You're not knowing anything. I think that's all you should know. And the way it's unraveling, the way the characters are unraveling, my Lord, is <laughs> the top five of the year perhaps for me at the moment, if it pays off. I'm not I've fully not even... finished it yet. Right. few endings but other than you mentioning it and in my head it was i was already getting call of cthulhu and sinking city mixed up and then you went i'm playing the forgotten city and my head just went blah i'm gonna play the windjammers play here i don't even know what you're talking about josh brown but i do hope you get a series x and i didn't really think about <laughs> it after that and so but you described it this way i thought it, i don't know i kind of looked at the screenshots for it i just thought and because of the setting and everything thought it'd be way more action focused but i like the idea of a dialogue driven thing it almost feels a bit um like everybody's got the rapture in terms of just like there are all these like like world rules that are like you're like poking and prodding at you don't really fully understand. Um, yeah. Does it? It is kind of like a walking sim in terms of the majority of what you're doing. Um, like conversations, yes. I guess, rather than just walking around. Yeah, mostly conversations, mostly exploring, but you do have you know some combat areas. There are mm-hmm. some um, platforming segments, for instance. So there's a mm-hmm. lot to it. It's like this open world, well, small open world that you're exploring. But I think, and I might have got this wrong. I was only doing a bit of research before buying it, but I think it started off as a Skyrim mod and then developed into this full game. And you can kind of see the Skyrim um, DNA in it. Like when you talk okay. to someone, it's kind of like the classic it Skyrim zooms in the face. Yeah, yeah, with the uh, text box and stuff. And you're playing it, you kind of get the feel of it as you're you know, running and jumping around and stuff. But it's, it's lovely to look at. Mm-hmm. I think the characters are really good. And like I say, there have been so many times where it's just kind of like dropped my jaw when I've been playing it, not expecting something to happen or some reveal to come. Mm-hmm. And it's had so many of those now where I'm just like, this might be the best game. This is, <laughs> I can't stop thinking about this game. Is it actually better than the Cthulhu one though? That's the main question. Is it? <clears throat> is it up there? It's much better, I think. The, the Cthulhu one, the Lovecraft one, uh-huh. is like, it's like, a, it's, it's good, but it's... It's it's a lot of work to love, if, if, right, if right. that makes sense. It's got a lot of issues. It's not the most polished. I liked it a lot, but it's not <laughs> one I would recommend to everyone. Whereas this, I think I would be more inclined to recommend it to everyone. Mm. It's still, you know, definitely not 
a complete mainstream blockbuster. It still has its niche, but if you like, you know, puzzle exploration games with mm-hmm. a kind of a cool story, and you, if you like the the time period, then I think it's definitely worth investigating. I think it's it sounds like I'm shilling for this game. I'm not. We're not sponsored <laughs> by the game, but I think it's like. 25 pounds so it's not a full okay. price thing either so i've just been really enjoying it man like I'm- that's oh, I, I, I don't know because i've got like this week everything kicks back in like we've got 12 minutes on friday go to session yes. on saturday and i like the idea of that like i, like I said I, didn't, I hadn't even heard of it until you mentioned it um and it is right up against knights of the old republic the hot new jam so i've got to <laughs> if i'm going to try and fit that in um, i'll have to see i was going to throw in um, in terms of just very quickly things that i've been playing that are awesome and um, that i recommend you go play uh wind jammers 2 the beta for that is out um i don't know if anyone's like I, online, people who play Windjammers do not shut up about Windjammers, hence me being one of them. Windjammers is a really awesome one-on-one, like, uh, disc-throwing game. It's just, there's a whole bunch of different, um, like, skill shots that you can do, uh, but it's just a one-on-one thing. Very snappy online matches. There's a, on the original game, there's a sequence of AI fight, uh, battles that you can do too. But the beta is out for Windjammers 2, which is made by .emu, or .e, .emu, emulation, .emu, um, who did the Streets of Rage 4 uh, sequel and so the animation is like stellar and um, but they put the beta out for the online uh, multiplayer so you can try that um, and it's all for free and stuff too um weirdly you had to go and and go on the like the european playstation store set the download off using the browser and then go back on the ps5 and then go okay I, like then it showed up as something you owned and then you could hit download actually searching windjammers 2 on the playstation store didn't bring anything up um right. but it is out and maybe they fixed that by now it's really good and it's free so go play that <laughs> um, another thing is that i didn't even realize my friend did you, did you play my friend pedro on um on on xbox or on uh, i think it's on switch too I did not, but I saw it and I right. wanted to, and then just never did. It's like classic, <laughs> the classic scenario. Classic us, you might say. My friend Pedro has a mobile uh, mobile sequel uh, or like a mobile spin-off, which I run the other way for the vast majority of mobile games. But this one is one of the only actually brilliant mobile games, and um, with right. a really cool control scheme. Because my friend Pedro is already a side-scrolling action shooter, where you're sort of just doing like lots of jumps, lots of spins, lots of slow motion, twin pistols, shooting multiple targets out the sky and everything, and um, whilst riding a skateboard in some levels and stuff like that and so the uh, mobile one is called uh, my friend pedro ripe for revenge where you just go after pedro is a floating banana if you didn't know of course he is. and uh, he just tells you to go kill people but um in the uh, mobile game his uh, family have gone missing so you, again he pops up he's just like i need you to go get my family and so you go do that and it's just a nice excuse to just do lots of slow motion stuff but the way that it controls is kind of like angry birds where you're constantly <laughs> you're slingshotting your character through the level so you pull in the opposite direction of where you want to go so you fire your dude like up and over someone and then you hold the direction again and tap to shoot it sounds really weird mobile control schemes don't translate well to being described in audio but my friend pedro and it's free and you can pay to get rid of the adverts but it is free and is a brilliant mobile version of that game and if you if you don't even want to play that just go play my friend pedro josh go play you've got game pass Um, and i worry about what you do to me if i said scott i'm not going to play the xbox series x i'm going to play my friend pedro on mobile instead <laughs> I, I would take that over over you sitting on code veronica instead of <laughs> <laughs> the other stuff you've got but it depends code veronica has been an obstacle that is stopping me from playing the xbox series yeah. it is resident evil i've never properly gone through i've only ever mm. watched people do it so i thought you know what is while i'm waiting if I, I might not get an xbox series x i want to play something so i bought that have been playing it and you know what i might play every single resident evil game ever made now I mean, you might, I'm you just might. might. The thing is, I, I I was waiting, what's the next reason he's going to give me for not playing Ori? And I think it's this. 
I think it's going to be this. It's just well, I can't now. I've got a code run. Resident Evil Three beckons. I can't. I've got to do. I got to go fight Nemesis, mate. I can't be done. So I mean, yeah, but I mean that we talked about. I think the other week about our different game playing uh, tendencies because once you've started something, you have to finish it, or you prefer finishing it. Whereas I would almost definitely throw that game out the window when my new console arrived. That thing would be gone. Like I'm. Well, this is it. Yeah, I'm about to give up on Kotor because 12 minutes is out in like four days. So, yeah. I think it does exemplif- exemplify our different. As you know, we both got this new machine, and I remember you dabbling on everything on your Xbox. Playing SSX3 is really stuff. good, mate. I'm just saying. Yeah, jumping into new stuff. Whereas I've got a bunch of things downloaded, but I'm going to finish. I'm going to polish off the PlayStation games so I can focus my attention fully on the games that I've got downloaded because I've got a nice little list, a nice little list of things I'm going to work my way through <laughs> and hopefully enjoy every single one of them, including a couple of games called Ori in the Blind Forest and yeah. Ori in the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, they're, they're, they should be, unless I've again messed up the settings be downloaded now <laughs> hopefully the uh, the discipline that you have when it comes to video games they look like a like a preacher like a priest who's got a very specific way of being whereas i just feel like i'm this sort of like anarchic monster that sort of just like runs around in the church breaking all the um the pews but i've got to I get to get to things as and when i can and um, we didn't even say what our names were i'm scott Tilford, joined by josh brown we are. I'm Josh Brown, joined by Scott Tilford. It doesn't work when you do it at the end. I don't know how to react to it. <laughs> but we do it now, and with that in mind, we'll just catch you next week. We'll see what we can think of our, to talk about. But for now, it's been Classic Us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.